Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife. Hi, everyone. Dr. Jennifer here. I just wanted to talk to you for a moment about my Art of Desire course. I designed this course as a way to help women get more clarity about why they felt stuck or depressed or disconnected in their lives and how they could step into their authentic energy and capacity. It's a course that's designed to help you think about desire, sexuality, and what it means to be a strong and confident woman in a new way. The principles taught in the course will help you bring more courage and open-heartedness and confidence into every part of your life. You can learn more about this in my other courses by clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you an overfunctioner with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife? She is an LDS relationship and sexuality coach um, with a PhD in counseling psychology. Her teaching and coaching focuses on helping LDS individuals and couples achieve greater satisfaction and passion in their emotional and sexual relationships. In addition to consulting with couples and individuals, she teaches online courses, which I've done and I highly recommend. I recommend Mm -hmm. every single month. Um, They're designed to foster self and sexual development and create healthier, intimate relationships as well as happier individuals. Uh, She also offers many live workshops and retreats. Uh, Dr. Jennifer is the host of her own podcast called Room for Two, a popular sex and intimacy coaching podcast. She is also a frequent guest on the LDS theme podcast um, on subjects of sexuality, relationships, mental health, and faith. I am just really excited to have you here. And um, I've had you here before, but it was on my other podcast, The Betrayed, The Addicted, and The Expert. Mm. And so it was a little different format. It's just me. And um, we're talking about life work. This is in general, I'm seeing many women and men in this role. And uh, truthfully, I saw it as a good thing. Look how much (laughs) to be an overfunctioner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So for those of us who don't know what overfunctioning is underfunctioning, let's start there and just what are we even talking about? Yeah. So, well, let's start with what it means to be functional. I mean, in this, in this way of thinking, right? So to be functional is that you can, a person that is not over-functioning, but functioning well in their life is basically able to take responsibility for themselves, for their lives, for what they need, for they're able to, you know, pay their rent, work at their job, you know, take care of their responsibilities most of us lean in one direction or the other which is we tend to overfunction, take on more than is our responsibility or underfunction, take on less than is our responsibility and as we may talk about overfunctioners tend to pair with underfunctioners right um, but an overfunctioner is often in an experience of trying to um well to put it basically first of all they take on their responsibilities plus take on for other people and you might say like why would anybody want to do that which we can talk about in a minute but they're often rushing in solving things taking up other people's responsibilities and you know eager to help in a sense often or eager to control or eager to make things right 
And I think sometimes people in the overfunctioning position are often either trying to get control of things, like they're afraid to let other people do it. Mm-hmm. They may have grown up with an underfunctioning parent, for example, um, and anticipate other people not fulfilling their responsibility and or they want to be helpful. They need to be needed. They want very much to feel that they are the ones that they'll never be left because they are needed too much. Mm. Right. So there's different psychological motivations, but yes, but go ahead. What are you going to say, Ashlyn? That just hits hard. I'm like, yeah, yes, everyone will love me and stay with me and I'm good enough. I'm all the things that I want to feel. Right. Exactly. If they're, if they can't imagine a life without me, they won't go anywhere. Right. Right. But it has lots of resentments and covert contracts that are all a part of it, of course. And you might be a little bit of an overfunctioner or an underfunctioner, or you can be a lot of one mm. and be paired with a lot of underfunctioning, right? So there's there's a spectrum. You you could be 105 paired with 95 and probably do okay. You know, somebody who does a little bit more tends to over over accommodate, and one who does a little bit less. But the more extreme that gets, the more frustration, anger, and resentment on both sides. Yeah. Okay. So I'm guessing that those listening might say, okay, this sounds familiar, maybe hopefully for themselves on whatever Mm -hmm. spectrum, maybe they're in Mm -hmm. the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's painful to hear what we thought maybe was good, or maybe the thing that we thought we could ignore and just like, but it's working. So Mm -hmm. we're just going to keep doing that pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to hear. And I actually, I have a friend who they came to you as a couple Mm -hmm. and loved seeing you as a couple. So Mm -hmm. highly recommend that too. Mm -hmm. I never did, but they did and just really loved it. But I remember him saying, I remember a specific session with you saying, um, she, you called him out, you are over-functioning in your relationship Mm -hmm. and how, and he was shocked that Mm -hmm. it was nothing. And for Uh. me to hear it from a man. Like right. he thought it was a good thing too. I, for some reason, thought a lot of women were showing up in this role. And then I'm realizing there's a lot of us in general as humans. Right. Absolutely. And the one thing too is we can overfunction in one domain and underfunction in another. And so we may have different places in the relationship where we, we sort of specialize in a sense. And there's nothing wrong with specialization in a marriage or like you're, you're the one who's really good at something. Yeah. But the the best way I think to capture overfunctioning and underfunctioning and when it's problematic is when it's needing to be needed. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Not just good at something, therefore you tend to do it, or because you're the one who makes more money in the couple, you're the one who does the majority of the of the economic provision or something. And you know, you know, people can specialize, but when it's that I need to feel that I'm a solver. My sense of self resides in being a solver mm-hmm. in this domain that gets more problematic. And the the opposite is to be needy. Some of us are afraid, the underfunctioners in some domain or another, are afraid to assert ourselves, afraid to take positions, afraid to um, take responsibility for ourselves. And so we, excuse me, might look for somebody that we can depend upon 
So I, you know, we'll sometimes talk about there's a needy person and someone who needs to be needed. And they're both needy positions, as in they're both dependent in the sense of psychologically it is enmeshed, right, to use that language, or what we sometimes talk about as codependent, right? So the more it's based in a need in us to manage our sense of self, the less flexible it is and the less healthy it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think where I have so many examples of my own life I could share today. Yeah. Because I mean, I've worked years on trying to just, uh, what do you call it in the middle? I'm going to just right. in a healthy way function. Yes. Like optimal, optimal yes. functioning and not under function and not over function. Mm-hmm. And it, it does require a lot of awareness and accountability for me every day. Yes. And calming ourselves down around what we can't control or what we ought not to control. Yeah. Right. And And that's a lot of work sometimes. It goes into my, like the old people pleaser of, I'm going to disappoint people if I don't overfunction or my kids are going to fail if if I don't overfunction for them. Right. Right. Going to be dirty. There's so many things that overfunctioning serves a greater good. Yeah. (laughs) yeah and then we're left with like you said resentment yeah frustration right and it and i would say it we tell ourselves it serves a greater good because we're trying to get them to get their homework done or whatever it is but actually we're participating in them not taking responsibility right so just like an example my daughter set a goal um of what she wanted to do around her practicing and she set it for herself for good reasons for within herself, right? But then through the day, she would be procrastinating, procrastinating. So because I start to get kind of anxious because I know it matters to her and I can see her kind of like in a sense, self-betraying on her own goal, then I find myself getting involved <laughs> and not in a good way <laughs> where I'm like, Hey, Jane, you know, come on. Like, are you going to do it? You know, just like not really helpful. Okay. But I'm telling myself I'm helping, but really I'm managing my own anxiety about the struggle she has with herself. Ugh. So we tell ourselves, thank goodness I'm here, you know, <laughs> I'm so capable. Yeah. Like, what would they do without me? Okay. Well, probably a lot better. I mean, it's not that you can't be helpful, right? It's not that you can't say, Hey, how are you doing? Is there some way I can be supportive? What do you think would help? There's plenty of things I could actually do that would actually help in that I'm helping her to remember her own commitment to herself maybe doing something that could be actually helpful. What if you do your thing while I do mine? We, you know, if that would help. But it's not about managing my anxiety. It's actually being a parent. It's actually being helpful. And so it, it's very easy to confuse those two. And then I start getting upset with her mm-hmm. yesterday because I feel like I am the one prodding, but I I installed myself in that role and she actually accepted me into that role because then she can fight me rather than herself, right? So it's very easy, especially with teenagers to do, okay? <laughs> so, so we can forgive ourselves for that because it's very easy to do it. I remember giving my parents responsibility for things because it allowed me to not figure out who I was gonna be around it. 
So it, there's an upside to underfunctioning a lot of times is we don't have to, we can sort of say, you're always nagging me. Why are you never happy? I mean, that's the other person that comes into my office is like, you're never happy. Why are you constantly telling me what to do? Well, in part, because you don't tell yourself what to do. <laughs> so so it, it's a dynamic and it's an easy one. It's not just being caused by the overfunctioner by any stretch. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like we um, enable and trigger each other if that's the dynamic. Yes, absolutely. Okay, right. so uh, we're, I'm in a, a season where we are going back to school. So there's plenty mm -hmm. of let me over function for yeah. my children. Right. Uh, and so uh, just saying, okay, I'm going to try really hard. We're going to make some checklists that they can be accountable to their own yeah. to do before they go to yeah. school and making their lunches. And yet there's that piece of me that's like, I want to show up as the mom and I want to be present and I want to be supportive. Um, I'm a single mom. And so I want to make sure that I'm like, I'm there for them. Right. And yet I can show up and just be way too much in yeah. that role and take that away from them. They're very capable kids right? and, and they have that. And so, um, ironically, it's been really great. Um, uh, my, I got divorced um, over, it's been over a year and uh, we had that dynamic where mm -hmm. I overfunctioned. Yes. He, he would kind of go in between the under and, and um, middle mm -hmm. about this, but um, he's super shown up in our co-parenting in taking on that mental load that I had been carrying as an overfunctioner. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I have so many things to do, like doctor's appointments, making them for our kids and then taking them knowing if I can't go, he'll go like, yes. Take them the other day saying that's kind of a big deal for me. And I realized this didn't happen in the two decades we were married, but yeah. seeing it and I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, um, he was kind of shocked about it, but I'm like, no, that's like, you've stepped into that role. Yes. It's pretty awesome. I know not everyone does that, but yes. it shows me like, again, we can change and we can, yeah. we can go into that optimal place where we all want to be. Um, well, and it's also pointing to sometimes in marriage, we, we inherit ideas about what a wife and a husband should be yeah. and where we should over and under function. Right. Sure. <laughs> I, like in some ways, when I got married, I started under functioning in areas that I had always been a been functional because like psychologically my mind was just pulling me in a sort of dependent wife position because I just thought oh that's what that's what it is to be a wife I mean I didn't consciously think it I was just behaving it and um so a lot of times when people are not married meaning we sometimes expect more of ourselves and less of ourselves than we would if we were just dating someone or co-workers for heaven's sakes you know I sometimes will talk to people Think about your spouse as a co-operator of a business, right? Would you do that to her? Would you do that to him? You know, <laughs> right? Because we do these things sometimes in the name of marriage that are a kind of use of each other that are really undermine the happiness of marriage. Yeah, like that. So um, years ago in my marriage, then marriage, um, when I learned about overfunctioning, we came to this agreement. Okay, we have these, what did you call them? Covert. Yeah, covert contracts, right contracts. Yes. We yes. had a lot of those. Um, so we decided we should probably have some spoken agreements. So we did what's called a brain dump and we just wrote down everything that needed to be done in the household, in parenting and in, within a relationship. And it was front and back 
just tons, three columns of things. That's yeah. a lot of mental space, emotional yeah. space that both of us were carrying, but yeah. one and the other, right? And I was like resentful. I was angry. I wanted help. And we went through and with a highlighter, okay, I'm going to pick the things that are easy. Like you said, I can do these things without resentment. Yep. It's easy for me. I still do it as um, a co-parent in a divorce relationship. Yep. I still do our schedule and yep. kids. that's easy for me. It right. doesn't brain power, like so easy. Exactly. It's, it's a gift. You, it's like a talent of yours. So it's easy for yeah. you to be the one to do it. Right. It's a... ironic because I missed our last appointment. So I'm good <laughs> at it, but sometimes I, I'm also not good at it, <laughs> but it's true for uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm working on it. So we go through, we pick those things. There are still a lot of things left that neither of us wanted to do mm-hmm. either way. It was like, I don't want to do the things. Um, and we made these spoken agreements. I'm going to take care of the mopping. You're going to take care of the vacuuming. I'm going to, we're both going to unload the dishwasher, load it without being asked. These were like, this is how, for me, that was like the first step. Yes. Letting some things go. Yep. I was holding tight, but then I was mean and mad. Right. Right. He wouldn't help. Right? right. Which, you know, I see it now hindsight, but yes. yeah. So that was my first step. And then it was just the awareness. So, um, I looked on psychology today and I had a list of some examples that I wanted to read because sure. I think anytime we learn about something hearing like more this concrete, thing, it helps. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read a couple. Um, make, so overfunctioning can look like this, making sure that your partner wakes up and goes to bed at a certain time, giving advice when no one asks for it, reminding people they should hurry and book their travel, doing something for someone that they can do themselves because it will take less time and be less messy, mm-hmm. keeping a mental schedule for your partner because they forget things, telling people on the internet what they should think and how they should act, <laughs> reminding someone to take their medicine researching information for someone who can look it up themselves, hiding food or alcohol from someone so that they don't overindulge, Mm -hmm. telling a driver when to stop, speed up and turn, Mm -hmm. talking a lot to fill in the gaps and awkward pauses in conversation, automatically paying for something to calm someone down and steering your child away from experiences that may result in failure. Mm -hmm. These were all ones that I was like, I've done all of them. <laughs> so, uh, oopsies. Um, but I can change. Right. So I would love to hear, um, just what are some of the first steps to come to that optimal, whether we are over-functioning or maybe we are under-functioning. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is to see it, right? I think it's nice that you read that list because people will probably be like, Ooh, crap, you know, <laughs> I've done that or I've done that. Uh, so first to just understand it as a problem, like something that I would do a lot when I was parenting the kids when they were younger is I would do it for them because it was less messy and would take less time, right? So easy to do that. Like here, I'll just do it, you know, but it's like, that's not good parenting, of course, because kids need to struggle to do things and to be messy about it at first and to get better at it. So it's like robbing them of a process that that you know belongs to them and belongs to their development. So I think first seeing it and then understanding that it's not good 
because a lot of us have in our mind, well, that's just, it's good or it's acceptable or it's because they're so whatever, I have to remind them of their travel schedule or whatever it is. So, um, or the advice giving, right? You know, giving unsolicited advice because what would they do without your advice? <laughs> okay. So I have to say just real quick, one of my girls in my women's group today, you know, she's learning about over-functioning and make them stay accountable to it every day because yeah. we do it, right? And she said, my friend was complaining about her child for getting stuff at school and she had to rescue the child. And, and she said, oh, I thought I'll teach her about over-functioning. So she gives her the spill on over-functioning. Then she goes, oh my gosh, I just, that's over just over <laughs> So she had to then right. apologize to the friend. Like, that's awesome. Ask for this. And I gave it to you, but there yeah, you go. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yes. So it's like seeing it, recognizing it isn't good, right? It, not, not to mention that it's not helpful because somebody giving unsolicited advice, like how often have you been like, oh, thank you so much. Do you know what I mean? Like nobody wants unsolicited advice. If, if you're saying, could you help me? How did you solve this? It's wonderful. But if somebody, if you just feel like I know better than you do how you should function, you, you will find resistance, not actually what you're trying to achieve. So seeing it, understanding it isn't good, and then also understanding why then do I do it? Given okay. that my friend doesn't take the advice, my spouse doesn't, my child gets, is less able to make his own food or whatever it is, you know, why then? What is it, how does it actually serve me? Okay, so how do we figure that out? If I'm not super in tune with my own yeah, and all that. Well, sometimes the way to do it is to think about, did I have a parent who did this, what mm -hmm. I'm doing? Now, you, now, not everybody did, okay? Sometimes parents had, were the other way, and so you're kind of trying to be different than they were. But it's getting outside of our subjective experience and seeing ourselves a little more objectively. That really helps. You know, like, how does my spouse experience me? Why do they not like it when I do this? Right? How does my child see me? How would somebody who could just look in on this situation, what would they see about me that I don't want to see? Mm -hmm. So if we can just like step back a bit and say, I'm doing this for a reason, what is it? It's easier to actually see it when you're sort of separated and looking back at yourself than in your own justified mind. Oh, for sure. Well, they're just so messy. Like, how else am I? I mean, I don't have all day or whatever you tell yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and those might be issues of, I just want the control. Yeah. I just want the kitchen clean. Right. And I want it more than to do my job of letting them be imperfect. Ugh. I want them not to fail. I can't handle it for myself. They are my little objectified. <laughs> versions of me meaning I need them to do good so I feel good yeah right a lot of us use our kids this way and so I'm actually making sure they don't fail because I need them to reflect well on me not because it actually helps them when I rush in and solve right so you you have to look at what's the self-service in it <clears throat> or maybe it's that I just don't have the patience or the investment like I just don't want to be bothered right with letting them make mistakes because parenting really requires a kind of investment of ourselves that is not the same as over functioning it's like i'm actually 
willing to go through that struggle with you getting it wrong multiple times because you're worth that kind of time and energy mm. very different and it doesn't matter how it looks or sheds light on me that's not my job to manage how people see me it's my job to be invested in my child's development so when you can disabuse yourself of the idea that it's connected to saving them and sparing them their their failure <laughs> because we get savior complexes like we and it's very connected to our identity too this is the other thing i would say a lot of overfunctioners grew up sort of feeling like it's a way to earn a sense of self by being everyone's solution right so some were kind of put who say that again ashley i created a business out of it i'm like yeah I everyone <laughs> exactly a lot of counselors were in this role in their families right that they were like the one that people went to to solve right and so your whole identity gets connected to like i'm trying to solve all mormon women's identity <laughs> issues <laughs> small little goal it's not mine <laughs> I, I accept this over function <laughs> yeah yeah and that, that's not to say like that, that it can't be a good thing or that you can't make a difference but if your identity is too closely linked to it, then you can overfunction for, you know, I have certainly been vulnerable to overfunctioning with clients where I'm working harder than they are. Mm. I'm doing all this, like trying to show them, show them, and they're doing very little. And, you know, I, it's, I've gotten better at this or where I'm saying like, I'm not going to go further out on that branch than you're going to go because that doesn't help, doesn't help you. And doesn't help me either because then I start disliking the client because I'm like doing all the heavy lifting or whatever. Yeah. But that's my, you know, that's my own vulnerability. So, um, so I think that, yeah, if you can understand, often we're trying to solve something about ourselves mm. or live in a limited identity, right? We we do get we are given limited identities when we grow up, even in the best of circumstances, right? The more challenged our background, the more narrow our sense of self will be. But part of growth is expanding our sense of self. You know, yes, I may be good at travel itineraries, like somebody might be, you know, but I'm I also am good at letting other people take responsibility for themselves, right? So that you're getting more able to know when it's functional to step in and do something and when it's non-functional to do that. And so you you don't you less lessen your attachment to an identity as strong and able or or whatever it is that's or in the converse, you lessen your identity to the idea of being underfunctioning. Like I'm somebody who needs other people to do things for me. Well, I've worked with lots of underfunctioners who've just started expanding their lives, started doing more, started taking more risks, started taking more responsibility could see that they could hide in letting their spouse do too much and then they could resent them rather mm -hmm. than just taking more responsibility for themselves and in that sense expanding their sense of self so the underfunctioners expand a sense of self by taking more on and under overfunctioners expand their sense of self by taking less on so you just described my divorce so that's perfect <laughs> really finally figuring out who we are yeah. separately and it yeah. has been just beautiful to great. to both step into that so um I have to share the same girl today in group who was you know 
sharing over functioning. She's, you know, checking in and she's newly divorced. So she's just had her first weekend away from her children. You know, they were at dad's house. And so that's a really heavy weekend where you feel lonely. And there's a lot, I mean, a lot of girls, it's a lot coming because so we go into that under-functioning role. Yeah. The minute those kids come back, it's easy to step into over-function. Yeah. now my purpose is back and I can just like, yeah, for sure. but with that, and I've seen this in myself and I've seen it in all these women who are divorced and stepping into this new territory of, they didn't parent the way I wanted them to parent when they, my kids were away. Um, they didn't, the clothes back the way they sent the clothes back dirty. How could, how dare they, they're giving me more work. This was me. Like so many little nitpicky things that, yes. I would, if I took time to zoom out and ask, why am I doing this? Yes. I always like, why one, I'm wasting so much energy. Yes. Hearing about such dumb things. Yes. Ironic part is, okay. So they send back dirty clothes. Well, the one time they send back clean clothes, the smell gives me like a trigger response. (laughs) I don't want clean clothes. So it turns out, send the dirty clothes. Mm. I want dirty clothes so I can do it myself. But Mm. this girl is checking in and she's like, I stepped from under-functioning to over-functioning. And she says, I don't know. I don't know. And she kept saying, I don't know. And then she corrected herself. Mm. Oh, good for her. Control how he was showing up. I was disappointed in how he was showing up and I wanted to step in and like soothe her children and herself. And herself. That's right. Very important. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And Good, good for her because she's starting to see like, wait a minute. So yes, first of all, we can take refuge in I don't know, kind of a kind of under functioning. Like I prefer confusion to clarity because clarity will make me have to act different. You know, that's not that's not always what it is. Sometimes you are in a place of confusion, but but she's like, wait, I do know, and in some ways, stepping forward and owning where you're disappointed or owning what you don't have control over, which is hard sometimes while staying calm enough to not rush in and solve quote unquote or you know like you were saying that when the kids come home you now have your your identity again and you can over function maybe because you feel guilt or you feel afraid of what you can't control or you feel all kinds of things but it's a way of managing our sense of self and therefore it's not our best selves. We're not actually parenting from the question of what does my child need? We're parenting from the question of what do I need or what, do, what are feelings am I trying to get away from? So over-functioners are often moving into action to mask anxiety and to mask feeling. Yeah. And it's really important to, to stay in our experience a little bit so that we can wisen up rather than rush and paper over it. I love that. Just being curious, I think the awareness. Um, yeah, I was in ART, Accelerated Resolution Therapy, last week, and and talking again about overfunctioning and how I'm seeing it still popping up into my life. And one way that I'm seeing it now is, I've always been one I like to invite. I like to you know get people together. Let's have a party. Let's go hiking. Let's yeah, hosting retreats as well. And there's a lot of fear in that, like I'm going to disappoint people one, if I'm late or if for instance, the retreat, everyone's not a hundred percent satisfied. 
Um, it, and as we worked through that and talked about it in therapy, it was, it all came back to my narratives. Yes. Good enough. Are people going to yeah. like me? Right. right. How okay am I? So right. letting one, one thing that's helped me is just, Hey, we're doing, I have a free hiking group. We're doing this hike, um, this Saturday, actually we're hiking Mount Timpanogos wow. and it's, you know, 16 miles and it's hard for me, hard yep. for most people. And so my expectations have been set within this group. Hey, I'm organizing this group hike. I don't expect you to hike with me. I'm going to be hiking slow. In fact, please don't wait for me. We can start together. I won't be giving rides because I don't want to be pressured to move faster than I can. So yeah. I'm like laying it all out because I can't, I, I will step into that role. And yeah, so easily, right. To please them. And yes, yes, yes. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> say it again, though, what? It just feels a little icky, like, because I have to set up all these expectations instead of just saying, here's a free hike, come and hike. Yeah, well, it's often where we have to start because we're, we're, we're letting our expectations be known to others, but it's also making it solidified in our own mind. You know, when we're, I've been thinking a lot lately about kind of, our development as people, kind of what it is to move into adult development. Most people never move into full adult development, psychological adulthood, because it's exactly the tension that you're talking about, Ashley, which is we 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 grow, most of us grow into a stage in which our sense of self resides in other people. This is where most of the population lives. And there's nothing, nothing's gone wrong in that sense. It's just part of the developmental path, but a lot of us get stuck there because it's so uncomfortable. As you said, it feels a little icky yeah. to disappoint, right? <laughs> to like set limits, to not be what everybody wants at all times. Because if our sense of self is right, residing in all of them, of course we want them to be happy with us because we want to feel good about us. And so this often causes us to, you know, either do what others want so that, you know, they're happy with us or pressure others to want the same things we want so that that validates us, right? We do all kinds of funky things in relationship like that, but so much of it is about managing our sense of self. But when we stop doing that, like one of my, you know, a book I really think is really great it's an articulation of alfred adler's theory called the courage to be disliked it's very much about that movement across this developmental um well it's what mary beth rains calls this continental divide in human development there's this kind of shift into a deeper self-authoring from a kind of psychological dependency and it's scary. The continental divide is perfect because it's quite treacherous to try and get across. You're afraid. I'm afraid if I discern and assert who I am, people will be disappointed with me. Well, they most definitely will. If I say what I really think and believe, others may not like me as much or disagree. They most certainly will. So there takes a lot of courage to claim who we really are, but also requires more responsibility where we can hide more when we're diffused among the people we associate with. But it's when we self-author more like that, that we become more capable of really loving other people, of liking people a lot because we don't feel taken from them or feel like we have to manage who we are around them. We get more able to regulate who we are 
And so we're much less likely to overfunction or underfunction. And we're more likely to partner with somebody who is similar. So how common is it to partner with someone who also overfunctions? Well, overfunctioners don't tend to get with overfunctioners in the same domains. They just oh. don't tend to because, oh. <laughs> because they, so they may have the same career path, for example, they may both, both be very good at that, but they're not, in terms of who's doing what in the partnership and in the marriage, they're ten, they tend to not overfunction in the same ways. Mm. Now they might be both functional and work well together to be clear, okay? But overfunctioning is I'm taking on what's your responsibility. So it doesn't really work. Now, you, there's plenty of people who overfunction in sex and, and you know, or underfunction in sex, but then the other partner overfunctions in, you know, child rearing, for example, and the other underfunctions. So there's a lot of places where you may be taking on more than is your job. Yeah. Right. But other areas where you give yourself a pass. Well, and it does make me think of your sexuality courses because the whole idea of it's not just about sex that you're talking about, right. it's all these other pieces. That's right. And right. it's one of them where right. we're holding resentments, where we're overworked, we're stressed, we're tired. Um, yep. Maybe even burned out. Exactly. Too much. <laughs> That's right. And and it's also the way we can negotiate underfunctioning in another domain. So we can say, like, I've been taking care of the kids all day. Now you expect me to have a sexual relationship with you? Forget it. So like we can use that mm. resentment to justify underfunctioning in another way. And you know, the opposite happens in the other way. Right. You don't love me, you don't appreciate everything I do, you're not here for me, and now you want me to be your, you know co-child care director, forget about it. <laughs> so people find lots of ways to earn their underfunctioning in lots of domains in marriage. That's a really interesting, I'm going to be curious about it this week as I, yeah. we can see, because I know where I can be accountable to my overfunctioning, but underfunctioning, I haven't really seen as the way you described it. And I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 It's like so, wherever we take advantage of other people's rushing in, you know, anybody that rushes in on something uh, in our lives, if we let that happen and take a pass for ourselves, we're not doing our part. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I've loved this discussion and always yeah. enjoy your insights and um, appreciate your time. Thank you. So, um, where can uh, my listeners find you? Sure. So the best place to go is just my website, which is my last name, finlayson-fife.com. And then on my website, there's all kinds of different options. I have two podcasts. One is conversations like this uh, called Conversations with Dr. Jennifer. And then I have the, a paid one, which is Room for Two. And that's where I'm actually working with couples around these issues, issues of over and under functioning, around sexual relationship, intimacy, communication challenges. So you get to listen in to couples that are a lot like all of us. That's the thing. People are like, oh, that's so us. And then they listen to the next one. That's so us <laughs> because we're all human and we do these human things. But I, I'm giving them feedback about how they're participating in a, in a difficult pattern and how they can each break it. And then I have the online courses that you referenced. And so those are all there as well. And uh, there's five different courses on how to develop more in your sense of self and how to develop in your sexuality and in your, in your marriage, if you're married. Yeah. 
Well, I highly recommend. So go follow and go invest in your own better health. So thank you again. Thank you, Ashlyn. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work.